Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping Christian women of influence steadily climb towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. I'm Hannah Schaefer, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. Claudia Dempsey. Join us this season as we explore key topics, strategies, and growth points that will help you not only grow in your faith, but to help others do the same. This is Climbing Fierce. Welcome back, friends. Our team here at Climbing Fierce and Growth Point Perspective is so excited to be back online and joining you for the official launch to season two of Climbing Fierce podcast. Today, we're so grateful, as I'm sure you were, to unplug for a little bit uh, over the holiday, but I'll be honest, we're ready to jump back in if you are ready to come join us today. And we know you're ready to press on towards all that God has in store for 2024. 2024 because, well, you're here listening. That's right. So uh, I know we're already a few weeks into 2024, the perfect time to check in to see how everybody's doing on those New Year's illusions, perhaps. I mean, resolutions. (laughs) 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 And we're coming to you actually from my living room. We're not in our studio Mm -hmm. because um, we had a little baby, which I can give you an update on later. Um, But we want to invite you into the coziness of our setting. Um, But even though our setting is cozy, we each have coffee or tea in front of us um, and we are in nice sweaters and enjoying some uh, warmth on the inside. Uh, The topic that we're talking about today is maybe not so cozy. It's going to be really challenging and really, really good. So we are excited to chat today. But seriously, I know that there is often a lot of hype around new goals for the new year as we work to ditch old habits and tighten up all those flaws and start anew uh, toward a brighter and better future. But here at Growth Point Perspective and Climbing Fierce, I'm going to be honest, we're not super big uh, proponents of the new year, new you hype, because as everyone knows, those great new year intentions rarely yield lasting change. As if some earnest hope plus the turning of the calendar page somehow generates change. If only, right? But we are hopeful as we launch into 2024 because we do truly believe that there are always new opportunities for growth and impact on the journey ahead. And of course, a new year can bring some focus, clarity, and time for reflection, which can be that new opportunity for growth and impact. But fortunately, these don't require a January 1st start date. In fact, our entire aim of this podcast is to inspire you to make forward movement in a norm, a regular part of your life. And so uh, no matter what the calendar says, we're glad you're here and we hope you will stick with us in the process of climbing higher towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. Yeah, like you said, Hannah, we don't get too excited about hopeful resolutions, so whether you just want to control, alt, delete 2023, or you are rolling into 2024 with the engine of your life hitting on all cylinders, or or maybe are somewhere in between, we just want to be here to help however we can, because this journey toward heightened growth and impact, well, as we've said all along, it's a process. And we know that we all need help along the way. We all need the support. We all need the extra encouragement if we're going to do this well. So for those who are checking in for the very first time, Hannah, Taylor, the amazing Taylor Murray, who Mm -hmm. makes all things work and run smoothly. (laughs) And I, we're a team of trained female Christian leaders who are passionate about helping other women climb toward, well, as Hannah said, toward the plans, purpose, and presence of God. And this is not some some self-help initiative as we try to 
climb toward greater personal enlightenment, right? That's not at all what we're about. So as we step into 2024, we want to just extend a very formal, very genuine invitation to join us as we climb toward God, as we climb toward the things that he has for us, both individually and corporately as a body of Christian women. Yeah. Because by now, we figure those who vowed to remove entire food groups from their diet or to embrace those daily kombucha seaweed cleanses <laughs> or committed to fold the laundry rather than laying it across that very handy treadmill that has uh, proven to be far more efficient in a clothes rack than working those. out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but by now, we're assuming that you're finding the same 2023 tendencies popping up into 2024. And we're right there with you. And that's why we're all about the basics here focusing on the author and the finisher of our faith and working to consistently bring our lives into greater sense of alignment with God's truth. Yeah, and we also want to reiterate that we have, from the very beginning of this whole endeavor, um, that while we're talking about climbing together, we're also just super aware that there are very unique and distinct elements of each of our journeys. We're all Mm going to do it a little differently. We're all going to have different points where something's more meaningful or goes a little deeper. So while we're going to be talking about and targeting some common issues and concepts that are that we suspect are going to resonate with most of us, we also want to recognize and honor the individuality of our journey. So we're not going to cookie cut or anything, but we're going to share some experiences and insights to help each of us hopefully discern how we can reach higher toward our goals, towards greater freedom, and even positively work to influence those around us. But Hannah, before we dive in and we go too far, uh, you mentioned there are some things in the Schaefer household that are looking a little different these days. So I was hoping we can get a quick Schaefer family update. Yes, I would love to give you a little update. Um, You guys may hear some baby coos throughout Mm. this episode or maybe um, a, a couple of the future ones as... Um, little Gideon, our baby boy, has arrived, and fortunately, I'm still on maternity leave from my full-time job, um, which means I just get to hold a baby and hang out with Amazing. Lucy some of the time, mm. and um, just am very grateful for his arrival. And the transition has been pretty smooth overall. You know, Gideon's healthy, which if you heard Lucy's story in last season, uh, we have not taken for granted in any way. Mm. Um, and if you ask Lucy, she is truly obsessed with baby G, <laughs> as she calls him, because Gideon is kind of hard to say. So baby G, as Lucy calls him, uh, she's been my little helper and she officially turned two since the end of last season. So lots of celebrating um, alongside, obviously, we had Christmas and just like everybody else. Um, And just on the parenting side, Christopher and I, I feel like are learning how to balance having two kids, of course, but not feeling like we're depriving one from time with the other. Um, You know, both of us got to do bath time with Lucy all the time. And it's just different when you have two kids. So trying to stay away from the parent guilt and understand that um, love comes across to your children um, in availability. And we're just learning a lot, which I'm sure this season I'll get to share in more detail, but that's kind of well, the shape update. I'm sure you've heard it said that when you do add a child, it's not just adding the work. There's something that, like, there's a multiplying of what happens. You're like, oh my gosh, how? It's just one more little body. How mm-hmm. did things suddenly just expand? The scope just multiplies, right? Mm-hmm. So, but you're right. They're going to see, they're going to know and sense this love that's genuine and sincere when they're prioritized. And um, it's okay that we don't have it all. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need us to have it all. Yeah. They need parents who are focusing on a God who does. Right. And that makes all the difference. Yeah. 
My mom, who I always reference in this podcast. Wait, wait, what did you call her? Wait, Wheezy something? Yeah, D-Wheezy. Because <laughs> her name is Darla. <laughs> hey, shout out D-Wheezy. That's right. She does listen to the podcast. I think more because she loves me, but <laughs> yeah, my mom, uh, she still writes this in cards, but I have just memories of her saying to us, you're loved imperfectly by an imperfect mom, but you're loved perfectly by a perfect mm. God. Um, and just meeting so that good. gap and acknowledging like, I'm not a perfect parent, but that's, I mean, our kids need Jesus just like we need Jesus, right? Right. So we're only two years into parenting, so we have many things to learn, but I hope to remember that (laughs) always. (laughs) Well, uh, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic because as we have talked about stepping into the new year and setting our sights on potential opportunities for growth and impact ahead of us, the fact is that there are some common obstacles along life's, life's way which seem to hinder our progress. So we have decided to take a few weeks here at the start of our spring season and talk about something I know is dear to your heart, Claudia, and that is the role of personal confidence. Yes, I honestly am so excited to jump into this new series that we are calling Unlocking the Confidence Code. Um, And you know, it's so funny as an educator, my first thought right now is to start citing all of the resources we used (laughs) and to document everything because... Well, when you're when you're building academic works, that's what you do. But this is a conversation. So let me just say from the start that while Hannah and I are going to contribute some unique things to the overall conversation, so much of what we're going to share has just been curated from a lot of extensive research. So um, we're going to include a bibliography of sorts. I don't exactly even know what it's going to fully look like yet, but that'll be in the final show notes when we when we finish the series because we want to highlight. Uh, a lot of the people and the resources that helped us get and to even engage, to get a better understanding and then engage this topic because we did not get here alone, right? We're really climbing on the shoulders and the works of others who've gone before us. So um, let's just start. Um, I guess a, a great point is with a, with a definition. What are we talking about? Personal confidence. I think if I had to put like verbiage to it, I would just say that it's a, a state of mind or this buoying sense of assurance in one's values or one's capacities. It's, I I know one author called it this idea of just being comfortable or at home in one's own skin. And I remember in doing some of the research, uh, Alfred Bandura, who was that, you know, renowned psychologist and former Stanford professor, he went so far as to call confidence as a key determinant and gauge of all human behavior, meaning that what we do in life is going to ultimately be very correlated, directly correlated to our sense of personal confidence. Um, And that's why it has been called one of the most influential motivators and regulators of all human behavior. I mean, that's just huge if you think about it. It's a defining characteristic that shapes how we see ourselves and even how we engage the world around us. And so I know that's a lot to absorb. I feel like I just said a lot of words. So boiling it down, I think the message would be this. According to all the research, confidence is not only an anchoring sense of personal assurance, but it's also ultimately a key to how we engage life and how we successfully walk out that that which we're called to. Wow. Okay. I kind of want to sit here and let that sit for a right? second. Right? It feels like a lot. Yeah. Well, because I know that I can't be alone in in feeling like that quote in the way that I look at just the life that I've lived thus far is like it rings true from when I was five to when I was in middle Mm. school to college to parenting now it's like the 
the personal confidence I feel directly impacts the way that I behave yes. and the way that I think 100%. about things, which plays into what, which we've talked about last season, the, um, the cycle, the T cycle. Yes. Like I'm seeing it all come together, Claudia. <laughs> I'm seeing it all come together. Um, so if we're going to work that backwards though, do you think that we could say that the absence of personal confidence means someone may not succeed in reaching their full potential? I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but I think that's exactly what it's saying. I, I mean, imagine if we were to liken confidence to the wheel on a car, right? It just enables that car to run to its full potential. We could then think of the lack of confidence almost like as a flat tire or a really worn tire. And mm -hmm. obviously a vehicle with a compromised wheel or tire, it's not going to be able to move forward as effectively as possible. And sure, there could be some very determined drivers, right? Who may find a way to limp along or generate some movement but they're not going to make the journey in the manner in which they were designed. If they're driving on something that's flat or it's um, out of alignment or mm -hmm. it's dry rotting, right? So a healthy sense of personal confidence is that significant. It's like that tire that enables us to go the full length and at the speed and the pace at which we're designed. Yeah, that's a great analogy and picture to think about as we're talking about this. And, you know, even as you're saying that, I immediately think of the individual who may believe that self-confidence is a secular concept. It's not mm. something that Bible-believing Christians should pursue. I mean, after all, aren't we supposed to be dying to self rather than building up a confident sense of self? No, that's huge. Thank you for, for saying that. It's really big that I think we address this, especially as Christians, because, yeah, there's, there's we've got to think through this and understand biblically what are we talking about. We don't ever want to promote something that's either extra biblical or contrary to what Scripture's saying. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I can, you know, as I'm even sitting here thinking, I can recall times growing up and, uh, I, I have a counseling degree, so even learning about self-esteem, and I would study the topic, and I remember one gentleman in particular saying, listen, you stay away from self-esteem. You don't need self-esteem. All you need is a good sense of Jesus' esteem. And I'm like, oh, that sounds so godly. Okay, all right, all right, I don't want any esteem. I just want Jesus' esteem. Didn't fully know, you know what, I, what does that look like? But I'm like, okay. Um, and so for years, I struggled with this idea of self-confidence because, well, there was this tension there for me. I, I wanted to be confident in what I felt God was calling me to or, or the design he gave me for a specific reason or walk something out. And yet I never, I'm like, ooh, but I can't be too confident because I, I don't want to have self-esteem because then maybe I wouldn't have Jesus' esteem. And I, it became this really murky mm -hmm. mesh, right? And yeah. what I learned... Um, in my own journey, but then really also something that was very validating is walking and talking with some other very devoted Christian women is that when we're talking about self-confidence, we're not from a Christian perspective. We're not talking about developing this belief that I'm all capable. I'm amazing. I'm better than other people. Um, I can just rely on self. This is not a promotion of self-reliance at all. And it's not even an imitation of like, we've got to just find who we are. We've got to define that for ourselves. No, we, we do believe that apart from God, we're absolutely nothing. We can do nothing. So what we're talking about when we're, we're looking at a healthy sense of self-confidence from a Christian perspective, we're talking about a deep-rooted sense of assurance that we have been given a message, a purpose, and even a design that matters that we are being invited to boldly walk that out because our role and our unique design 
Well, that aligns with God's given purpose for who we are, for how he's designed us. So rather than looking at self-confidence as something like ego boost that's going to promote me or build up self, make me the star in the center of my life, it's actually about the fact that my design, my purpose, my timing, my seasons, my gifts, and my experiences, they have all been sovereignly orchestrated. So I need to fully understand how to embrace those so I can work, I can walk out the work of God that he's given, but I can do it in a way that there's some courage and some assurance that I'm not just trying to be the best version of me. I'm trying to walk out his purposes as fully as I can as his daughter that he's designed with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we have used a few automotive analogies this episode. So in sticking with that, it makes me think of someone who's been given a really, really nice car, maybe a Ferrari or whatever your dream car is. I don't know if I have a dream car, but if you're listening and you have a dream car, just imagine that. (laughs) But you have this dream car and you're driving it like a skateboard. And from a kingdom perspective, what you're talking about is really a matter of stewardship of the vehicle and its potential, not how trying to build up the person um, behind the wheel is the main thing. Absolutely. And that's what it is. And I think that's the the distinction between a Christian perspective of confidence and then maybe a secular perspective. It were not. There is this, we must decrease so he must increase. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's a call in our lives, that Ephesians 2.10 call that we're designed for a purpose. And so understanding, and that's why this topic is so important. There are far too many amazing women who are being held back by insecurities, fears, doubts, self-loathing, on and on. So yeah, no point are we suggesting that uh, we need self-confidence so we can feel better about who we are. Um, it's because we're called to more and it just so happens that a really amazing side bonus is that when we do lock into some of this, we do end up actually feeling better about ourselves. So that's not the end. The end is serving him. But what does follow when we learn to walk in confidence is there is this, there's a greater peace and a joy, an ability to lean in. And I think of, you know, I think of Joshua in the old Testament who was repeatedly called over and over, be strong and courageous be strong and courageous. Why? It wasn't so that he would reach some higher plane of enlightenment, right? This wasn't so that Joshua could be amazing and really love his life. Mm. It was because there was a call on his life. And so before he could ever walk out that call, he had to first confront the fears and the insecurities of his flesh so that he could then step into courageously and and with strength all that God was calling him to. So what we're talking about is a Joshua-like call to embrace strength and courage. And as we think about things like shame and self-doubt and insecurity and on and on, imposter syndrome, there's nothing holy about those things. Uh, those are the fruit of the sin nature in which um, that we've inherited, the world in which we live. Um, and as I think the name Joshua in Hebrew, it actually, actually means God's deliverance. So again, it's learning to embrace almost this work of deliverance in us first so mm-hmm. that I can then walk that out with courage and confidence to help take that same message to others. Hmm. You know, even as you're talking, Claudia, I am sitting here thinking about how ironic it is that in a story like Joshua or in our own stories or lots of stories in the Bible, um, the person comes up with a human excuse like, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, Mm. I'm not ready, whatever the case is. Um, And like we are the ones that are focused on ourselves and God is is grace graciously using us 
to do the work that he could he could just do himself but he loves to partner with his people like we even see that in the garden um, that God loves to partner with humanity and letting Adam name all the animals like God could have been like here's a tiger but he said Adam you get to name the animals right right?" (laughs) well even think of Moses Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I can't, you, you picked the wrong person. I don't think I'm good enough to mm-hmm. do what you're calling me to. Yeah. And then, he, you know, God did provide a resource there, but ultimately I think for each of us, exactly what you're saying, we're going to look and find ourselves wanting every single time. Yeah. If we're using some kind of external measurement, mm-hmm. but this is talking about coming into this perspective of God has given me what I need mm-hmm. to walk out this season. And and if I'm feeling like there's areas I can grow in, then I lean into him and this process of growth mm-hmm. to step into that, knowing that's part of his purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, you were saying that the world and um, it being a secular topic versus like being a Bible-believing Christian, I'm literally picturing the difference in hype song that you would play in your mind. Like (laughs) for the secular person, that like hype time before you need to go into an interview or you're stepping out and whatever that, you know, thing is that's uncomfortable and hard and challenging um, is all about you. It's I I can do this and uh, what do I want for my life and just all these things that are about you. But for the believer, it's actually a hype song, if you will, or a hype up speech about, I know that God has called me to this thing, or even if this doesn't work out, I can be confident in who I am in the mm, Lord. That's it's good. just a lot of yeah, things no, that good. are biblical truth instead of focused on you, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in this confidence series. And obviously, we're excited to dive further into the topic. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to roll up our sleeves and unpack this and can uh, this construct of confidence, excuse me, and explore why it is so significant and how we can embrace more of it in our own lives. I think you need to buckle up because this topic, I really think, might just change it all for you. But as we finish our conversation today, I'd like to shift gears just a little bit and talk about why this topic is of special significance specifically for women. Claudia, can you tell our listeners how you came to discover some of the relevance this has specifically for women? Oh, absolutely. Um, All right. So for a little bit of backstory, there were a number of years back, I hit a season of life where things started to come together in a sense. I I had worked hard and there were goals I had set and I started to see some things be realized in my life. And doors were opening and I was connecting with some pretty amazing folks. And to my surprise, it really caught me very much off guard was that in addition to all these things happening, there was this accompanying sense of self-doubt that it would surface from time to time. And sometimes it was just super subtle and I could just push it away. Other times it just would like cozy on up. It would lock arms with me and it would, I couldn't shake it. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, it was so frustrating. Not So here I am in this surprise, but then also really frustrated because surely, surely by now I should be past this, right? I had, I'd worked too hard. I wasn't 20 something just out of college. Here I am decades later, like what is happening and why is there this undercurrent of underconfidence that's influencing my thoughts, my level of comfortability, even just the way I would engage, um, and, and handle certain circumstances. So as an educator, I did the only thing I knew to do. I just started to do research. I'm like, okay, nope, hmm. I'm not going down like this. You know, I'm like, there's <laughs> got to be 
I, I must have missed something. Something felt out of alignment, right? So um, how do I how do I learn to address this? What what don't I know that I need to know to do this well? And what I discovered very quickly was that this phenomenon of being a woman uh, who had reached a certain place in life and, and could be doing things well was still struggling with some confidence. And I realized very quickly, this was not just limited to me. In fact, what the studies revealed was that women everywhere, and I'm talking about every field and Mm -hmm. industry, and not just here in the States, but around the globe, there were women reporting a similar phenomenon. In fact, the distinct difference in confidence experienced by men and women was so significant that it was actually dubbed the confidence gender gap, meaning women will likely experience a greater propensity toward underconfidence than their male counterparts. Okay. I'm looking at your face. Your expression right now is hilarious. <laughs> I. So you're saying that women specifically are predisposed to greater self-doubt and insecurity than men? Potentially? 100%. Can you, yeah, can you believe it? 100%. Yeah, it just doesn't sit great, <laughs> right? You know? No, it doesn't. And that's why, so seriously, from the get-go discovering this, what began as a me issue instantly became a we issue. Yeah, yeah. I find myself simultaneously frustrated and a little surprised, but also not surprised mm-hmm. at all. Right? It's I like, said, right. Yeah. So I guess from here, just try to unpack maybe this a little bit further. Because even for me, like I kind of know where we're going. But, you know, you have done extensive research on this. Um, and so I I want everybody to know that this research isn't just like Claudia and her free time. But you actually ended up devoting your entire PhD dissertation to this topic. So if anybody's yeah, going right. to unpack it, it's Claudia. Well, and that's just it. I, I This became very missional for me when I thought, oh, this wasn't just something in my life was a little bit out of alignment. Um, had a, that, we talked about the tire. Oh, I had a, I've got to pump that tire a little bit if I'm going to do this well. No, I've, what it's saying is that this is being experienced by women everywhere. And so mm-hmm. I just became concerned and really driven. I'm like, okay. So I really wanted to do better in my own journey, but then it became almost like a kingdom drive to say, mm-hmm. how do I help other Christian women? Mm-hmm. How do we help them walk to the fullness of what God is calling them to? Mm-hmm. Because this, as you said, kind of early on, the implications of confidence, this impacts relationships, joy, growth, um, the way we express our faith, engage mm-hmm. our faith, personal advancement, it, it affects so much of life. And for women, the fact that our gender may negatively impact our capacity to walk in confidence We've we've got to be aware so that we can respond accordingly. And there, at no point in all of this is this like a male bashing, like oh, those guys are so frustrated. Not at all. It's saying oh, if we've got a need to do this better, if I need to have some glasses so I can see more clearly, then where do I go buy them? Show me where how to get the right prescription hmm. so I can see to the fullness of how I'm designed. You know that part of my body is to function. So I even remember hearing. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg, who was previously the exec of one of the execs of Facebook, um, she was saying, you know, it's she spoke out on this a little bit. She's like, girls are taught they've got to be quiet, they've got to color in the lines, they've got to play a, a quieter role. When in reality, there is an invitation for us to speak out, lean in, or step up in life, and we've got to just understand this because statistically. 
it, I mean, the research was crazy. So across, I'll give you just a couple quick stats. Um, across most fields, women will hold only a fraction of top leadership positions. If you look at CEOs, I think it's 8% are women. Um, you look at men, even in the workplace, they'll negotiate for their salary four times as, as often as a woman would and ask for sometimes up to 30% more. Wow. Um, men who have average credentials will often experience greater personal success and satisfaction in their ability to step into those than a woman who has far greater credentials. So she's more credentialed, she knows more, and yet the gentleman who might be alongside her who's not as credentialed, not as experienced, he's feeling far more confident and able. And she's like, are you kidding me? I've done all the studying. Mm -hmm. I've done all the work. <laughs> Why am I not there? Claudia, um, I'm go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but I like in my experience, I have seen this legitimately play out. Mm -hmm. Like a, a, a female will say, oh man, I know a lot about that topic, but I'm not an expert. And then a male will be like, I kind of know a little bit about that. I bet I could right? step into that. And it's, yeah. it's like, it's not the glass half full or half half empty, but it's, it's similar. It's like, oh, I kind of know this and I bet my experience from this can play into this role or, yeah, and right. it, it doesn't have to be a job, right? Um, it could be anything like, oh, I've moved a couple people. I'm sure that we could help out with whatever, right? <laughs> exactly. But I, I feel like that one specifically is bewildering and I, I mm. do feel like I've experienced. In no, and one study in particular is really fascinating that they'll see when a guy succeeds, he'll look internally like, well, of course, that's because I have that experience or the skills or I worked hard enough. Whereas when a woman succeeds, she looks externally. Oh, I had the right... I had the right amount of time to get it done. I had the right people, the right setting. And the guy naturally looks internally and he will look to himself as having been able to accomplish that. Vice versa, when the same guy does Whoa. not succeed, he looks externally. He's like, well, they didn't give me enough time. They didn't give me the right resources. Look at the team I had. Whereas when a woman succeeds, she will, again, look externally and say, well, look at, you know, or when she doesn't mm -hmm. succeed, she takes it on herself. She's internally like, maybe I didn't try hard enough. Whoa. Or maybe I, so it's a real flip of the script there. And you really see this played out when, when a guy will look to apply for a job. If he meets six out of 10 of the criteria, he's like, that's me. Sign me up. Oh, like they would be lucky to have me. Wow. I would be great. A woman will see that she meets 10 out of the 10 criteria that they're asking for. And she's like, I don't know. I actually don't know if, I, if I'm a good fit. I might not have all of the experience they're looking for. And they're like, on paper, she's perfect. So it really is something in the wiring of women to be, and again, your face is cracking me up. <laughs> well, I just, I, I feel these things. And so to hear mm. them spoken out loud, I would not put, have put words to some of that, mm. but hearing it is both it freeing, right? but also is... I, I joked about this before in, in reading some of what Claudia was going to talk about today. Like, I feel a little, like, exposed and naked before <laughs> <laughs> the world as we're going through this because, um, you know, Claudia and I are not just talking about about this personal confidence and all of these facts, but I think for both of us, we experience this because we are women. So it's like our experience validates yes. right. what, what you're talking about. Yeah. No, for sure. And even just if we took this away from guys and the comparison there, mm -hmm. just, there was a study that came out, I think it was 2020, um, and it was a pretty large survey group. 85% of the women in that group noted and recognized or admitted to feeling unattractive. Like, I, I might have a nice feature, or I might, 
But yeah, overall, would I say I'm a very attractive person? No, not hmm. at all. Like 85%. Wow. So 15% of this large population would say, oh, I'm, a, I'm an attractive individual. So why are most just thinking so negatively and critically? Um, women are twice as likely to experience low self-esteem as guys. So yeah, as we talked about, we, we almost, we want to be careful how we engage this because none of this is the promotion of self. But we know that we show up to the degree that we feel like we can or mm. we feel like we should. Mm. And that's why this is so important. Mm. So here's the reality is that women everywhere, we do have this natural predisposition toward underconfidence, which will sometimes leave us running behind the guys that we're in community with. But it's, again, not to compare. We're not, the goal is not to catch up to the guys. That's mm -hmm. not the goal at all. It's to say, what are we called to individually and even corporately maybe as women? And so ladies, without sounding too extreme to anybody listening, um, this is so serious that I, I remember hearing uh, Warren Bennett you know, the finance guru one time saying, you want to ask me why I've been so successful? It's because I've been competing against half the competition. The women aren't at the table and they are amazing, but they're just not showing up. So how do we help women show up? That's what the conversation's about. Hmm. Okay. And we would like to pause our regular broadcasting to announce that we have little Gideon with us. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking so cute. Little burrito, right? He's still wrapped up from his nap. So... Uh, we always tell you guys that we're going to be real with you. And this is my real life right right now. So. Right, I did it with Penny, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, Penny is her little dog. Mm -hmm. So she got to hold her little dog for a couple of episodes. And I'll get to hold my little baby for a couple of episodes. So, um, and Claudia, I just wanted to clarify. Is it Warren Buffett? Oh, what did I, did I say? I Warren Bennett? Said, oh, he's yes. an author. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Yeah, okay. 100%. Okay, awesome. Um, so... You know, as we're talking about this, I I just need to be honest that my immediate reaction is to wonder if there is hope for such a pervasive issue for women mm. as the stats have showed us. Um, so I, I know I definitely have some immediate questions on my mind. I mean, if this is such a common problem, one, can we help equip women with a healthy sense of personal confidence that enables them to fully embrace who they are and what God is calling them to do in the world. And second, Claudia, do you think you could explain why in the world this is happening or what is really going on in the hearts and minds of women to cause this inner doubt? Yeah, absolutely. And you're having the same response I did. I almost, it's fun actually seeing your response because this was me. I was like, <laughs> no, I... I was not okay with yeah. this being the reality and I didn't want to sit back and just accept this as the inevitable fate of women. Like, oh, okay, this is just the way it's going to be. So let me think of how to tackle this because you've asked some great questions. So let's start with the why because I think this is huge and it's actually going to then play into how we talk about and approach the solution. I think there's two primary ingredients here when we talk about the why. And the first is how we are socialized. And by that I mean what we're taught to think about women and their roles and their place in society. Now, there's different social, social systems. If you look around the world, there's so many different views, but the fact is that many modern societies have historically embraced a view that sees men as having been the primary and dominant figure. So the simple fact is that through the years, women have been taught through customs and traditions and different social values 
that they were supposed to sit back. I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier and that they're supposed to take more of a supporting role in this play of life, right? Um, now, for, before I go any further, I just want to reiterate, we're not at all, this is not male bashing. We'll, we'll never engage that. I, I have some great guys in my life who I love, but it's this is really about understanding how the system that we're in so that we can respond accordingly. So again, we're taught and have been taught at times that women were supposed to take a little bit more of a supporting role. So here's the takeaway, whether we realize it or not, we've all been greatly influenced by the message, the customs and values within the societies in which we've lived. So here's an example. When I was doing my research for the PhD, I interviewed a woman who was so smart. She was so... She was just brilliant to talk to. And I remember her saying that um, she had an experience as, as in her childhood. I think she was in early high school and uh, she was on the debate team and she was boarding the bus to go to a debate event. And the PE teacher was one of the um, chaperones on that trip. And he saw her coming and he's like, well, what are you doing getting on this bus? And she's like, oh, I'm going on the debate team. And he said, well, debates for the smart kids. Um, you're a girl. What are you doing getting on the bus? Uh. And she, right. And she sat there and was like, are you kidding? My gender somehow makes me not smart to engage in debate. But his view, and again, this is not bashing because plenty of women do this to other women. Plenty of women do this Mm -hmm. to men. But the, the reality is that there's been a message that women can do this, but not this. They are this, but not that. And so we just have to understand, first and foremost, the world in which we live in, some of the messages, some of the messages I know in my own family, women didn't do certain things. That wasn't what what they were allowed to do, and so we are then reared with this view of women. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of like a the fifteen minute opener where of a really good movie where. The PE teacher of all the teachers is going to be the one that says to the girl. (laughs) And then now she's a college professor. So it's like a crazy great intro that, you know, she can um, respectively throw back in in his face. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're not bashing here. I'm just saying that. That's uh, funny. The irony irony. is not lost on you. That's right. That's right. The irony. That's so funny. Well, and so it's really important that we understand that how we're shaped and the messages really do have an idea. And it's not the idea that men are stronger or smarter or more preferred. Um, It's the fact that some things tell us it's, so it's not just that, but it's also where, how desirable are women? What roles should they play? How Mm -hmm. should they dress? How should they look? How should they raise their kids? There's Mm -hmm. so many messages coming at us and not just from men. Sometimes it's the system we're in and sometimes it's other women. So Mm -hmm. it's, let's take the source out and almost just say there's messaging coming in that is shaping the way we're thinking and we've got to understand what that is. That's good. Yeah. And as a mom raising a little girl (laughs) and hearing this, it makes me very reverent about this messaging and what mm. I'm allowing her to hear and even what our home promotes um, yeah. intentionally or unintentionally, which is such a scary thought as, right? as a parent. It's huge. It's huge. But I think even especially with all the technologies and what they're saying about females, and there's lots of messaging even within that, but um, 
in general, it's just a lot to think about. But you know, I think you mentioned a second a second factor that okay. So this one that I think that first one was fairly common sense, and we sat with like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right, Mm -hmm. this next one I don't know that we really think about, and this is tied to the fact I think it's going to make sense when you hear it. But this one we may not think about very much is the fact that women are wired to be relational. And this means socially cooperative and interdependent. We're wired to be this way in, in a network and community while men are much more independent and individualistic. I told you when a guy succeeds, he's like, well, yeah, look, I showed up and I got it done. Yeah. When a woman succeeds, she shows up She shows up and says, well, look at the context in which I was able to do this. And look, those who taught me and enabled me. And, and she looks to this network. Mm-hmm. And this means that we're generally going to assess the value of who we are and what we do through the filter of our relationships and our social networks. And as such, there is a really deep interpersonal reliance that we have on the people and systems around us. And it's huge. And we've got to understand that. And there's actually a term for this. It's called soci- sociotropy, which is... All we really need to know is that we have a really strong sense of social reliance as women. And consequently, as women, we're going to intrinsically be wired to consider how we're perceived and valued by others. Uh, We're going to worry about what others think. We're going to look externally to the approval of others. We're going to act in ways that's people-pleasing. And that then, if you follow the progression of that, that leads to lower self-esteem because we're always looking for an external validation of who I am or how worthy I am or how well I fit here. We see these ruminatory patterns, meaning this constant running of our thoughts through all these filters because I'm I'm filtering it through what everything around me is saying about me or even these reassurance-seeking behaviors where I try to get confirmation from the system I'm in, the social system of am I okay here? Is this going all right? Am am I approved? Am I loved? And Mm -hmm. all of this, those two things, so the messaging that's coming and then almost this natural wiring I have, both of these predispose women to then this propensity to underconfidence. Okay, this is really hitting home for me. And I know that I cannot be the only one this is really hitting home for. And I, I know for me, this is giving me a lot of clarity but it's also bringing a lot of comfort to know I'm not alone in all of this and the way that I'm thinking or feeling in this way. So I'm, I'm just really appreciative and I'm excited for our next couple of episodes. So um, to wrap up today, I'd like to just quickly summarize uh, what we talked about. So the first is that personal confidence is not a promoting of oneself, but rather a means by which we can courageously embrace our God-given design and purpose in the world around us. The second is that women will generally struggle with underconfidence at rates far greater than men because of messaging of social systems in which we encounter um, and our own natural tendency to engage life from a relational and interdependent posture. And it, that's what it looks like to do uh, life in, in community sometimes. So I know it's a lot to take in. We're really appreciative that you guys are here to kick off our first episode. Um, this is a great place for us to close. Um, we would love to know what questions crop up for you as we continue to talk about confidence in the episodes to come until next time go climb fierce thanks for tuning in to today's podcast wherever you stream your podcasts be sure to check out today's show notes for more resources links and helpful tools on today's topic you can find these resources and more on our website at www.growthpointperspective.com 
If this podcast has been at all impactful for you or someone you know, let us know. Leave us a review or send it to a friend who might need to hear about today's topics. And if you have any questions or an episode idea for us, or you want to get in contact with our team, email hello at growthpointperspective.com. Until next time, friends, go climb fierce.